Hello, everybody, and welcome to broadcast number 59 of Indie Radio. Indie Radio is an indie game development talk show, which is here to bring you interviews with both large and lesser-known developers, recap the latest news, debate about topics in indie gaming, and give you some tips and tricks for your journey into game development. Today, April 11th, I have a check there for a sec, uh, <laughs> I will be your host, Brett Hudson, broadcasting live from the Midwest United States. And we have a guest with us today, Mr. Greg, I'm going to butcher your last name, Okay. Lobanov. Yeah, okay. Uh, hi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can you give us a proper pronunciation? Because uh, nobody can say it. The the right right way I think is Lobanov. Lobanov. Like, yeah. But there's like I I appreciate every like interpretation. They're all nice. They're all way. Yeah. I guess I guess the way that I'll think of it is La 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 Lobanov. Sure. There yeah, we go. You know, like like that Muppet song. It's like. Uh, manana, manana. It's like that. It sounds all like that. Okay. Like, manana, yeah. Perfect. Right. <laughs> all right, so we've got a couple things of news today. Uh, as always, if you're listening in live, you can go to the Indie Radio page, which has an IRC client at the bottom, so you can join us, chat with us, do whatever you want. We already had somebody come in and leave. <laughs> Rip. Um, but... We do have an IRC, so feel free to ask great questions and just chat with us during the show while we go through our news topics and then the interview with Greg. So, yeah. First up in news, we have Unity Analytics Open Beta. There's an update about it. So, uh, Unity has announced that there is going to be multi-platform support, enhanced functionality, and uh, that they want more developers. So, Unity Analytics has been out for two months now, and it uh, supports... Mobile and desktop. Um, so yeah, uh, iOS, Android, Windows Phone uh, 8.1, uh, and then Windows, Mac, and Linux as well. So what's what's new with this update? And basically, they have deeper custom events analytics where you can visualize your custom events and perimeters in richer detail. So like they're, I'm guessing they're trying to make it more like uh, Google Analytics. If anybody's ever tried that out. Um, we have it on the Indie Function site, and if you get really advanced in that, there are some powerful tools where you can check to see when people hover over stuff on your page. Um, so I'm guessing that Unity is just really trying to make it so you can find out exactly what's going on uh, right. in your yeah, and, app. And games analytics are super, super, super powerful. There is this actually, there's a really good talk right now on um, the... Uh, ADC like library online thing for free, like kind of a membership. So there's a really good talk someone gave. Um, the guy, the guys who did the same thing, just like uh, Jetpack Joyride and Ninja. The guy from that he did a talk on like their use of analytics for the most recent project. And it was really interesting and enlightening because they got like so much information and how they use that to make decisions about like you know how they how they work on the game and like what they like and what they keep, what they don't keep, and all that stuff. It's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, if I had a GDC pass dealy for their website, I would definitely check that out. But Oh, no, it's, it's like you don't need a pass. It's oh, you online. don't need a pass. Yeah, it's like a free one. Oh, awesome. Yeah, maybe I'll, I can find the link or something. Yeah, for uh, sure. That would be really awesome. Yeah, let me look it up a little bit. Yeah, even like here, I, I, you know, like, I never really paid much for analytics that, like, you know, in my games. But mm-hmm. there's actually, here in, in Philly, um, <clears> came to Sacred Prime. You might you might be Jay from Sacred Prime, so like they mm-hmm. do a yep. lot of analytics stuff. But they're, they're like they make really cool like um, like esoteric RPG games. 
So what's cool is that, like, because their games are so weird, they rely a lot on, like, athletics data about how to, like, tutorialize stuff, basically. Because they try to do games that don't have any text, just, like, let the player explore. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, um, their first game was, like, Auditorium. It was a very, like, it's, like, you're super, like, you're moving around, like, rabbit wells and, like, throwing particles and colors and sound around, you know? It's, like, totally weird. And yep. they... Their first game is a flash game, and they use like analytics to not only track like player progression and time on stuff, but also like they had like heat maps for every level, so they could see like where the player's mouse was going and like you know like how long they were doing stuff, and basically getting like a really like you know like and you know across millions of players, getting like super high detail information on how the average person treats their levels, mm-hmm. which is really useful for them because then they just like you know change up the game to like. Uh, you know, they, they made it easier basically for people to figure out so that the average person like totally just like flows like through it perfectly with no like roadblocks and that's kind of awesome yeah that's really sweet um i'm trying to think of the app that i saw analytics on um i can't remember but they basically tracked like they had a couple different ways to perform an action mm-hmm. um and they they like put out the stats of which which people used more and mm-hmm. using that uh, data, they were able to put more buttons next to it, so people would be more engaged and stuff. So yeah, analytics is absolutely cool. But, like, I, I wish that somebody would put out a guide, so to say, um, on how, how they go about doing it. Like, where do they choose necessarily to put it, and what which methods are, like, most effective? Because somebody just going into it for the first time could go way overboard or not do enough, and they could be losing or being uh, filled with a bunch of data that they either need or don't need. So, I don't know. Something that I thought of once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, totally was good. Hey, uh, I, uh, I threw up the link for the talk in the end. Fantastic. I'll also put it in the show topics uh, on, the, on the actual listening page so people can check it out afterwards as well. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, yeah, before actually, like, the talks came out, I spent, like, two days. I was like, I want to come, I want to, like, like, put together a list. Like, all the free talks are so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I listened to the William uh, Pugh talk on oh, yeah. comedy and games, and that was, that was fantastic. And he talked to the moon. Anyway. So let's let's jump to the next one. So for the rest of the news, there really wasn't too much that I could find that was interesting. Um, there was a lot of stuff in my uh, feed reader, but it was it all just looked like kind of informational articles, not really news. So uh, besides the Unity update, all that's really going on are game jams. But game jams are awesome. So let's talk about them. So Stencil Jam 15. <clears throat> Uh, which is actually going on right now. It started on March 24th, and it ends on May 11th, so it's about a month and a half. Uh, Newgrounds is hosting it, uh, which they've done before. I think this is the third time that they've hosted a Stencil Jam. And there's $1,000 in prizes. Super, super, super cool. So, <laughs> first place uh, is $500 plus Stencil Studio. Second is the same, but $300, and third is $200. And fourth and fifth place also receive Stencil Studio. So, all you got to do is make a game in Stencil, submit it to Newgrounds between now and May 11th, and uh, start a topic in the Stencil forums, and you could win some big bucks. <laughs> and make a cool game! Yeah! 
I mean, I just found out that we're not just now it's kind of weird. But Newgrounds is very, very close to like where I went to high school, and it's like right here in Philly. Uh, it's pretty awesome. They live in like a warehouse. <laughs> you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know like what it was. It's right next to this really big train station, though. So like I passed it on my like transit all the time. It's just sort of like in this in the, like you know nondescript warehouse. But inside there is like the coolest fucking people ever with like you know million computers and like they run the biggest or the, what you see like the biggest flash website ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So yeah, I'm pretty. That's like that's like a Philly pride thing. Yeah, it's really cool. You guys have so much stuff going out there in Philly. It's like, what, what, where did it all come from? <laughs> it's, it's in your water, isn't it? It might be. I was gonna plug uh, one, one, one thing. We covered the last one, so there's, there's a game show going on here that I'll plug because it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so new stuff. Wait, there's, there's a what? I didn't quite catch okay. it. Oh, a game jam in Philly that I was gonna plug, but I was gonna wait till after you like wrap up the music things. Okay, sure. <clears throat> uh, so the other news jam thing is Ludum Dare 32. Yeah. All right, so Ludum Dare, uh, which is, I believe, the uh, second biggest game jam in the world, the biggest online game jam, um, is happening this month. So it happens in six days. So it starts on the uh, 17th, I think. Yeah, 17th and ends on the 19th or 20th, depending if you're doing the compo or jam. And it's open up, or it's open for everybody. It's open up, well, great English. Uh, But yeah, so they changed it up a bit this year, and they're doing the keynote uh, a week early, which is pretty sweet. Um, It was actually a bit more than a week early. And uh, Soul underscore HSA made the keynote. I haven't watched it yet, but keynotes are always really fun. Um, My favorite being the one that Chevy did for, or Chevy Ray Johnston did for, I think, uh... 25 or 26 it was it was interactive and it was awesome you put a lot of time into it um but yeah so uh warm-up weekend's also going on so if you want to participate in Ludum dare and do a little warm-up you can head over there check out the warm-up weekend and yeah jam next weekend as well uh teams are uh, accepted in the jam for Ludum dare but the actual compo is solo only so you can do either or and have fun make games do it. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so yeah, that's it for our news. So Greg wants to plug a game oh, jam yeah. that's happening in Philly. Yeah, well, it's um, I don't think you can participate in this one at this point, but it was just like it was a cool idea that I kind of would just like broadcast. So we're doing a game jam right now. Uh, it's called the Profit Jam. Okay. It's six weeks long, and in the jam, and everyone who's competing within the six weeks, they have to make a game, finish a game, and then publish the game. And the person who makes the most money in six weeks, or like a game they started in that six weeks, is the winner of the jam, basically. Huh. That's the only thing. So yeah, it's like, it's been super cool, and everyone here has gotten really competitive about it. And it's actually been, um, like, one, like, even, like, people who, like, you know, people who, like, have, like, big studios and stuff, like, they actually put out time to it. the A-game, where usually, like, the game jams are kind of this, like, throwaway thing. Mm-hmm. They're actually, like, brought their A-game and are making, like, stuff that's really good they care about because, like, the competition has like such high stakes and uh we also like like so many people who in the jam have like watched the game for the first time as a part of it which is like awesome um but yeah there's just like this weird stigma in game development and i don't know if it's a stigma but like i know for me i have always like i've never launched a game that i spent less than like you know three months on you know at least and that was like for a very small game mm-hmm. 
like there's just totally like once you start a game like there's kind of this pressure to just like invest all this time into it to grow it to make it something like huge and worthwhile but mm-hmm. at the end of the day like you can make something that's totally playable and marketable in like three days you know yeah. and there's nothing wrong with making that and selling that and just like just just to throw stuff out there i guess i don't know it's like as somebody who only works in the big projects like that was it was for me it was like a crazy opportunity to just like throw out some of the wrong habits and like you know uh assumptions just like make something and sell it right away so yeah for me it's been a super cool thing I just, I, I, it's, just like, it's such a cool concept for a jam i kind of think like like we here in philly would actually start doing it like once or twice a year just to, because it, it's been so like it's worked out so well for us here mm-hmm. i think it's like it might be a cool thing to adopt for like uh you know if you're if you're someone out there looking for like some kind of game jam theme or topic right like that could be something cool to pick up <laughs> yeah for sure no that's that's actually really cool um so this is your guys' first time doing it? This this particular jam, yeah. Although Philadelphia in general, like the, the game development scene here, we um, we have a long history of uh, like interesting game jams. In fact, I just found this out that apparently people from Philly were the originators of like the train jam, which then got kind of like picked up and co-opted by some developers from Chicago. And yeah. like, they kind of grew it into this like like big the big deal that it is now. But the original idea kinda came from people who were in Philly actually. We're always like, like, like we're, we're, we have a big basis. Like, we have this big developer community that's all indie people. Like, we don't have any big AAA game studios in the city. Mm-hmm. So it's all, it's all small people. And like, we kind of like game jams are like a big cement, like the cement that kind of keeps like this weird community together in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, like, I think, like this this upcoming Thursday, we're doing an Iron Chef jam. Uh, you have <laughs> it's you, they have exactly it's only three hours. It starts at like six p.m. to nine p.m. And the way it works is uh, when the jam starts, they reveal like some physical component which everyone has to make a game out of. Like it'll make like it's some kind of like physical like board game out of basically, right? But yeah, okay. so like right to start, they reveal some component. Everyone has to make a game like using that component, and it's that has to be in that exactly three hours. And then like we test it, and they're gonna try and like film it and make like some kind of TV episode out of it. I think should mm-hmm. be kind of neat. But yeah, like I don't know. Yeah, we we do shit like that every month. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I've I've run a couple uh, three-hour game jams myself, and it's amazing what you can make in such a short period of time. Like I've if never done one that short. If if you yeah. like put your head towards it, like, it, and you you just work it, you get a lot done. The the thing about it, uh, like I think they're pretty beneficial because they teach you to not focus on polish or anything. It just what do I have to get done for this game to be complete? And what's the fastest way to do it? Like, what... It's, it's prototyping, basically, where you just strip every extra idea out and get to the core concept. So, I don't know. <clears throat> That's what I think about them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an awesome exercise. And again, it's somebody who's like, I'm, I can get very perfectionist. Like, I spend a lot of time on shit. So game jams are, for me, like, always an awesome opportunity to just, like, blast stuff and put it out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's talk about some of your games. You're working on a game called Goo Goo right now? I indeed and that that was for the Philly Profit Jam. So I still have two weeks left to like 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 all the like for maybe a week. I think it might just be one no. One week, two weeks, whatever. I have only a little bit of time left. <laughs> so like, it started a couple weeks ago and like I'm working on the game since then. It's like I started selling it as fast as possible. So yeah, I'm trying to like we, we just signed up a Steam launch for it actually. 
So what I'm doing right now is um, that's the game. That that game like it's out for free on PC Mac, and then it's a dollar on Android coming to see the iPhone. And then like right now, like here I'm I'm working on, like a double sided big version to sell on Steam for like three bucks. And I'm gonna try and launch that like in the next few days if possible, like before a week from now, and then start making sales off of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, totally blowing run out of the water on this like profit jam basically is the plan. <laughs> Nice and modest, perfect. <laughs> I'm just gonna blow everybody out of the water. No, that's good. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about it. It's and it's like such a fun game. Uh, yeah, I've been doing nothing but like procedural games and like high concept games. Hey Greg, you're cutting out pretty bad. Oh yeah, sorry. Someone like uh, open a door behind me. Um. Yeah, so it's uh, it's my first time in a couple of years making a game that like actually has level design where I can like put shit together. Mm-hmm. I forgot how much fun that is. Like uh, that's kind of what got me started in the game. Just like that, like playing with Legos feeling of like you know I got all this shit and I just want to put it together and make something. Yeah, that's so fun. And I just forgot about it. Um, so getting back into it, like this game was meant to just be something that was easy to like fun to work on, and it ended up being just a really cool like I don't know for me like. Exposure and creativity, where I just like tapped into this like way of thinking that I hadn't touched in a really long time. So that's been awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I've always thought level design is one of the most fun parts of it because, like, you create this engine, and then as you're working on the game, you kind of discover more about it while you're creating the levels, and you're like, wait, what if I did that? Yeah. And then it works, and you're like, oh, and then I could do this, and it it's just like. Um, yeah. becomes a snowball effect. Yeah, you, you're in the game where, like, starting to have a conversation, which is really cool. And it's in a very different way. I mean, when you're making some procedural, you have, I think even then, like, the, the conversation between the game actually becomes a lot more rich in that way. Like, you know, you're learning a lot more because the game is sort of, like, putting stuff together that you just never would have thought of, you know? Like, that's kind of the fun part. Mm-hmm. But when you're, yeah, yeah, building a level of, like, uh, uh, Oh, you're cutting out again. Uh, uh, uh-oh. Yeah, you're cutting out really bad. You wouldn't be the first person to eat on on the radio. I'm not going to. Um, I'm hiding hungry. Yeah, the the other person that ate on the radio was uh, Robin Arnott. He ate a taco. It was the most crunchy, delicious thing I've ever heard. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm at the uh, the Philly has like a, a gaming co-op space, so which is where I'm at right now. And I thought no one else is getting several months. Saturday, but uh, apparently a couple people are here now. So, uh, yeah. Sorry about that. Anyway, okay. I forget what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, we were talking about Game Jams, and then yeah. Philly, Goo Goo. Goo Goo. Goo Goo. Man, that game is so fun to work on. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it's fun to play. Thanks. Yeah, I've been, I've just, like, uh, I've been working on, like, a bunch of, uh, like, really good polished shit. Like, the stuff that I have up on right now is not even half of what I... So, like, now for the Steam version, I gave the, the Google, like, a bunch of... Like, I gave them eyes, 
and like the eyes follow the mouth and stuff. And he like squints and he blinks and he and he uh, he makes like little particles and shit when he lands on the ground. And he's got like a trail and shit, and it's great. She feels so good. Oh yeah, screen shake. That was a big thing. I had some screen shake. Screen uh, shake. Yeah, when you bounce off of shit, man. That shape, like I'm, <laughs> I, I'm always like relearning this, but uh, like you know, it, it's like with with games, like half of the, or maybe more than half of the user experience, like what makes it great, just really comes down to like that, like that super simple, like polish, just make it feel good shit, you know. Mm-hmm. I always forget that. Um, and you know, it's like as somebody who like. I've been, I've been doing games for long enough now where, like, I had, I went through all these phases, you know, and, like, I, I got to this point where I was just so interested in, like, like, game mechanics, like, this deep game interaction thing and, like, all these beautiful systems that you can build. And, like, I think I kind of just, like, forgot about, like, how most the average person playing a game just doesn't see that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really cool to have that for people who, like, really, you know, dive deep into it. But for the average person, it, it's, like, 80% just... You know, just the screen shake when I when I bounce on this thing. If not, like it's just not as fun. <laughs> mhm. Absolutely. I think Rami did a talk, or no, it was JW. JW did a talk a couple years back. Um, yeah, J- JW's all about that stuff. <laughs> I think the talk was the art of screen shake. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, yeah, I just watched that one really recently, and it was pretty good. Mhm. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, it's just make make there a lot of bullets and make the enemy life really short and screen shake and more screen shake it's literally like the entire talk yeah but yep. he does he does it in a really good way and the the game that he made with it was really sweet i i think he released the source code for that maybe he didn't maybe it's just an exe pretty sure he did he gave away the screen shake code <gasps> and, um, and it's like that you know juice it or lose it that's my favorite juice talk that one's like shorter juice it You've seen that one, right? No. No, who's it by? It's uh, it's the guy who did uh, it's it's grapefruit. Or, uh, fucking wow, well, like I can't say, but he's the guy who did uh, fucking Rhythm Capsule. Yeah, yeah, grapefruit. Yeah. Before he did Rhythm Capsule, um, but it's like yeah, it's like 15 minutes. It's called Juice It or Lose It, and they give away the source code as well. Um, and that and that one's awesome because it's so much like a breakout like clone, and then you just keep adding juice to it, and by the end of the talk, it's just this like totally baller video game. Yeah, that's great. Hmm. I, I watched him do a Twitch stream on a breakout game before where he kept splitting all of the asteroids. Or no, it was asteroids, I'm sorry. Um, I got the two mixed up for a second. Uh, he, he made some asteroid game, and he was, like, live coding it. And he's like, oh, no, I'm going to do this. And he, like, created that dyna- dynamic um, asteroid splitter. So, like, you could split asteroids in any shape or whatever. And then, like, they would split apart, and there was physics, and the they would become two separate entities. And I was like, how did you do that? <laughs> that is nuts. Yeah, that's pretty baller. I tried, awesome. I tried doing something like that, and I got, like, 10 FPS in my game. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no, talks are fun, though. Like, oh, you, yeah. you, you gave a talk, right, at GDC? Uh, as a matter of fact, I did. Yeah, I was, well, it was, I was in the Indie Soapbox this year, so... Ah, uh, right. Yeah, so for people who don't know, it's like, um, the, the, the talk is an hour long, but it's ten speakers, each person having five minutes to talk, and the topic was just like, whatever you've been thinking about lately, like, that was it, you know, so just like, give a talk about whatever you're thinking about, um, which for me was about um, the bike 
trip I'd just been doing because I like rode my bike across the country, like from Philadelphia to San Francisco in time for PBC. So yeah, I like, got off my bike and like walked in and was like, all right, now I'm going to talk about it, I guess. <laughs> um, it was a pretty good deal because it's like, yeah, five minute talk and then about whatever I want, you have to be about games, which mine barely was. And then I got like free parking for the week and also access to free bike. Oh, so, fantastic. <laughs> that, that's the real reason you did it, right? Yeah, the free coffee. For sure. Can't can't beat free stuff. Nope. Nope. Can't. Really can't. Um, so, yeah. That was pretty fun. I, I felt pretty important this year. Actually, I gave a talk uh, the year before, too, at, like, the career pavilion. Just doing a post-mortem for my games. So now I have, like, a legacy. And if I don't give a talk next year, I'll, like, have fallen short. <laughs> talk every year yeah, the rest of time good. I like talking I really do like it's such a I don't, I, I don't know it's, it's cool being able to feeling like you have something worth sharing I guess is pretty cool right <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah definitely like that, that's that's why we make games right like you want to make something and give it to people and be like check this out this is what I do it's, yeah, well, I think that, like, it totally fulfills a different thing for me. Like, I make the game, I make games because I like the game, I like making that stuff, but then, you know, like, talking about it, the process, or like, teaching people is, like, a different thing, which I also would love to do, but I don't have as much time for, you know? Mm-hmm. I've, like, I've always thought about how cool it would be to, like, go and be, like, a professor, you know, at a school or something. I'd love to teach. Yeah. But I don't have time, so I'm so busy making stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, maybe someday. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I like talking, obviously, and, yeah, no, being, teaching people stuff is really cool. I, I also run a uh, video series on YouTube under Indie Function that does uh, tutorials, and that's always a blast, especially when people, like, give you feedback back from your experience, like, they relate to you, or they, they, they're all happy because they, they learn something or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I kind of would actually just someday like put together a bunch of game maker tutorials or something because I do like all my games, um, like Coin Crypt and this last one and the one and like uh, they're like all, all like my cool looking games they're all done in Game Maker and people always assume that they're in Unity and so I explain like I don't tell them that it's in Game Maker. I don't know, I just think I feel like I uh, I like doing a bunch of shit that nobody knows Game Maker can, can do. So I feel mm-hmm. like I I, I could like it's a it's an opportunity for me to just like show people or instruct people on, like, how to use it right or something, you mm-hmm. know? Because <laughs> there's really some cool shit, like, um, like, one thing nobody does with Game Maker that I've seen that's really powerful is, like, it has, um, like, vertices, like, vertices and polygon drawing tools, so you can, like, really? do, yeah, yeah, so you can do, like, all, like, 3D shapes and all kinds of, like, you know, extrusions and, and camera shit and, like, whatever, I don't know, like, I, I, for, like, for my game perfection, like, I had, like, you know, um, what you might call it, like, like dynamic meshes and stuff. Like you were talking about the asterisks. Oh, I, had yeah. that in, I had that with the perfection where it was like, you know, it was like all these like shapes and stuff that you could cut, like they split apart accurately and everything. Um, and like my game Coin Fifth had like this like fake 2D thing going on, but like everything was like, you know, distorting around the camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was yeah. really cool. And that's all done with the like, game maker, like just like built in, like, you know, vertice polygon tool things. Yeah, like, I remember I seeing, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's cool shit, dude. It's all you can do with it. And it's, in some ways, like, there's some ways that Game Maker is more powerful than Unity for, um, controlling the look of your game, because with Unity, as far as I can tell, well, I get, no, that's not necessarily true. Like, I've been learning more about it, so, 
there's some tools in Unity that like, you can like build like meshes and stuff, but I still think that like Unity has so many assumptions about the way you want to render things and like um, just the way the 3D works and all that. Yeah. Whereas in GameMaker, you have a lot more control over like like changing the order of the pipeline, like one another top order, so that you can actually like do some shit with your game. You can, you can do some shit that, like, uh, would be otherwise impossible, you know? Like, point for the way the 3D in that game looked and worked is, like, utter nonsense. Like, there's no way for, like, any, like, actual, like, game camera to solve, like, 3D meshes to make it look like what Pointer looks like because it's just, like, all those, like, points are actually just, like, can't place with, like, super shitty math, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it can only exist that way because I, like, put down the points that, you know, exactly the way I did. And that's something that, like... No, I think GameMaker has like a slightly more unique power to access than some other game engines do. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I love GameMaker. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I've used Unity and stuff, but GameMaker is for me like, I you know, just like so powerful. It does everything that I want to do with any game, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. In conclusion, GameMaker, it's good. GameMaker, that's all you need to know. Uh, yeah. So with with CoinCrypt, um, like, I had seen screenshots, and I was like, okay, that's cool, whatever, but then once I played the game, and I saw everything move, I was like, oh, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no way. Um, but Perfection, yeah, no, I, like, I knew all your games were Game Maker, but until you said this right now, I never quite put two and two together that Perfection was right in Game yeah. Maker. <laughs> like out of all your games, that's that's someone that's probably the most surprising to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that one was like, it was a really good learning opportunity because that was where I like started to experiment with all that like vertice polygon stuff, and then mm-hmm. like every game since then has used it. Like in Goo I use that stuff around the Google, all the way that it squats and stretches and stuff. Like it's it's uh, it's actually just like a little mesh, basically. That, like you know, I'm yeah, doing shit too. Mm-hmm. So, and, then, and the nice thing about like doing the graphics that way is that um, you know if you're even if you're going between different platforms, which I always am, like you know between desktop and mobile, whatever, like it scales perfectly because it's all like vector stuff. Yeah. You know, so that's pretty cool too. Yeah, I had like um I've been I was tweeting about for when I was on the bike trip, I was working on a game. Um, it was basically like a No Man's Sky style like procedural planet generation thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was in Game Maker, and that was, uh, was something like, uh, oh yeah, that's, that was a game where the, I had no artists whatsoever. Everything, including like, this, I had like the animated character, and like, close terrain, and trees, and like, stuff that like, swipe with like wind and whatever, and it was all done, like, procedurally placed, like, in the seas and stuff. And wow. yeah, I think it looks really cool. And, and yeah, and again, it's just like, it's something that like, most I don't, most people just don't seem to realize, like, this has been Game Maker's capabilities, but it totally is. So, yeah. In conclusion, again, Game Maker's still really good. <laughs> so do you use uh, Game Maker Studio, or do you still have an old copy of Game Maker no. 8 laying around? I, use, I have Game Maker laying around, but I use Game Maker Studio nowadays for other stuff, because everything I make, like, I want to be able to put on the phones. Yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I love, like, my favorite thing in game design I think is probably just like making games that have mouse controls or touch controls because I just I love that interface it's so fun um, and it's very rare that I make a game that doesn't do that nowadays um, so yeah I just love, I 
episode, yeah, and it's, it's awesome because then you make you know, it's awesome on a computer with a mouse, and then really, and you can always like put it on phones as well. So yeah, it's fun. Love that kind of shit. It just feels so like it's it's the most natural feeling thing to me, you know, because like uh, you know, it's just like you're. Oh, there's, there's such an awesome one-to-one correlation. Like, you know, you're moving your hand to your finger and, like, manipulating shit on the screen. Touch especially is just such, like, an awesome direct way to interact with, like, the little game universe. It feels so good. Yeah, I love that shit. <laughs> <laughs> as, soon, as soon as Touch, like, was first announced as, like, a game thing, like, whatever, like, 10 years ago or whatever, I was immediately so excited about it. It was always my dream to just, like, make shit with, like, touch controls. Now they're putting it on, like, uh, like Sony controllers, like Wii controllers and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, the, the first time that, like, I saw somebody play a touchscreen game, I was like, is that magic? <laughs> and then I, I got to play it, and it it, it was like magic. I, I can't even remember what it was. But I just remember, like, using my fingers, and I was like, this feels so good and, like, polished and wow. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it still feels magic to me to this day, so. Yeah, I... I Tim Rogers, you know, Tim Rogers, he does, like, um, game analysis, critique stuff, and writing, and he's also a game designer, but he did, um, mm-hmm. he, did, he wrote a pretty cool, like, article once about, uh, like, game controls, and he talked about how, uh, this is interesting to me, like, this anecdote about um, kids today, and about how, like, um, if you think about, like, the average person who's uninitiated to video games, um, a game that controls the touchscreen is just so much more attractive and like natural and sensical than a game that has buttons because it's just like the buttons add this like interface that's outside the game that like oh like this middleman between like your input and like the game screen. Yeah. And like if you gave like any kid the choice between like like the, the same game but like with a controller versus with touch controls, like you pretty much always pick touch controls because yeah, it's just like you want to be able to like you know you don't want to like push a stick that moves the guy on the screen. You want to like touch that guy on the screen, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah. It's so interesting, because, like, growing up as, like, I, I grew up on a, my PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2, so, like, I'm, I guess I'm more tuned to that, because, like, yeah, if, exactly, yeah, and you're, yeah. once you're trained up for it, right, and then nowadays people are making, like, you know, controllers for phones and stuff, or, like, you know, like, the on-screen fun thing, and, like, I, I mean, there's some games that can only really work with that, but, mm-hmm. It's such a, like, you miss out on so much. I don't know, I think people, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, there's so much, so much to gain from, like, uh, like, games that are, like, this touch mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, it's not quite the same, but I, I, uh, got Obletus a little while back, Connor Ullman's oh, yeah. latest game. And that game, I absolutely love the mouse controls, but I hate the keyboard controls. And then I also oh. love how movement works with the controller, but aiming with the controller sucks. So I'm, like, torn between the two. <laughs> yeah, Albus is awesome. Shout out to Connor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, met, like, um, the guys who did music for Albus, or they, no, they did some stuff, the Hyperduck stuff, the Starbucks guys, you heard of them? They're, like, from Ireland, and they're so fucking cool. They, uh, I mean, I, I didn't even know that there were, like, like, you know, game people in Ireland. They are, and they do, like, awesome game soundtracks. And soundtracks were, like, itchy way back in the day for Game Maker. That was, like, their breakout thing. And mm-hmm. They were on, like, Dunstan Lisa's Tale and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, they're fucking cool. And the music's good. And their sounds are good. They wrote, like, my favorite, like, uh, Wind Waker remix ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Which like, I can tell them. I like I have that shit like in my car on a CD. <laughs> <laughs> and they're so cool, like and they're like, Oh yeah, I have like uh, I have like your music like in my car, I blast it at like my fucking windows and yeah. Video games. Sure cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would be so cool. Um so speaking of music, um I I really like the sound effects in uh Goo Goo. Like, oh, thanks. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when you die, what's the, is that the death noise, or is that the uh, yeah, noise? Like, yeah. Uh-huh. No, it's uh, I uh, my my friend uh, Reckless. He's like, he's never done like music before, but I got him uh, like, we're together on this one. He's like totally killing it, I think. Cause yeah, the sounds are super fucking cute. It's all I think he, he did it all with his mouth, and it, it's like it brings out this like really cool, I don't know, feeling for the game. It's all very, like, handmade or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you when you find a secret, oops, oops, I just spoiled it. Um, it, It's like, <gasps> <laughs> and it gets me every time. friends uh that that don't think that they have anything to bring to games to do game jam with me but they won't budge because like um the one is totally art oriented and she draws all the time and then the other one uh plays music all the time and i'm like you guys should just come over and let's make a game oh we don't do any of that we don't have a laptop it doesn't matter games for a long long time like i've known about you since i started making games back in 
see once or twice a year, and it's like, ah, always, like, makes my day. <laughs> yeah, cool. I can imagine. Yeah, no, I, Assassin Blue was the first game that came to mind when I was thinking back. I remember it was featured on uh, Yo-Yo Games yeah. ages ago, and I was like, whoa, this guy's got to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't wrong, so. Oh, yeah. No, you were absolutely right. Yeah, it's messed it up for the coolest. There you go, guys. Interview's over. We just found out the secret. You just got to be the coolest person in the world. Make games. Easy. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, what what would you say has been your most fun game project, other than your latest? Because everybody always says their latest is the most fun. <laughs> fun to work on. Yeah, fun to work on, fun to make, fun to fun to find. I, I, I think uh, I think Coin Trip was like I mean <laughs> I'm just trying one game back farther. But I know <laughs> I mean Coin Trip was um I, I you know. Nowadays, like, this is, like, the biggest thing, right? Games that are procedural and stuff. So, game it there, uh, Coin Trip was, like, a procedural roguelike card game thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, there's been a lot of discussion out there about, like, just how fun it is to work in a game like that. And I'm totally going to pair that. Man, it's great. Like, uh, making a game that's procedural, which Coin Trip was, was so fun because, yeah, you get to this conversation with the game where you, know, you have some ideas about, like, how you want things to go, and you kind of like throw all those rules into a box, and then like just new shit comes out, and it has the potential to surprise you know even you as a developer, which Coin Trip like always was doing. Um, just because you know in that game like you know you're you you collect these coins and stuff. It's like a strategy game where you're like throwing coins at dudes, and like the different coins have different powers, like cards in a card game, like collectible card game kind of thing. Yep. And yeah, like. Because, like, the way the game would just throw out mixes of stuff, like, I'd just always be finding, like, crazy, weird combinations and, like, you know, sometimes they would really break the game, but that was, like, half the fun, too. There's so much shit in that game that, like, there, there, there's, like, combos that are so broken. Like, you know, you get this thing with this class and use that item, like, the game is just, like, like, jeez, like, it's nothing. Um, but, uh, like, that's cool. Like, I actually left a lot of that shit in because I think, like, like, you know, thinking about the game deeply enough and, like, understanding all the mechanics of finding those points of intersection where like, the game just explodes. Like, that's that's so much fun. That's, like, part of the fun of the game. And it's, it's so cool that, like, yeah, it has all this, like, hidden depth, you know, and shit to discover where you can you can find those things. So, yeah. Quite good. That was super fun to work on. And, it's, and another thing about those kinds of games is that, you know, in the first, like, couple of weeks, I had... And it's not, like, it's not that simple of a game, but I had something that was, like, you know, basically, like, the working game, you know, like, you, could, you know, go to different floors and fight guys and collect coins, and then for the next, like, year and a half after that, it's just <laughs> adding more shit, you know, it's like, the game never changed that much, it was just, like, putting in more coins and putting in more enemies and putting in more items and, like, a couple more little features and stuff, it's just, like, more stacking things, but basically, like, the structure was there and the rest was just, like, discovering things and then putting stuff back into the system and then playing it and then finding something new and then putting it back in and, you know, like, yeah. There's this beautiful organic growth of video game. Yeah, procedural stuff, it's it's so it's so fun to work on. And I also, I didn't even think that it's, like, it's 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 probably the future kind of thing. You know, like, games are, you know, as reflections of, like, the systemic nature of the universe. Like, I think games are only really, like, you know, communicating about the universe the way that games can do when they're procedural, when they're like taking all these pieces and systems, like mm-hmm. you know, making new, making new information out of it. Like that's like that to me is inherent in like what is beautiful about games and unique about games, other than anything else. So yeah, like, any procedural stuff, like you know, and it's just it's just where games are meant to go, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. I've done that for a long time, but now, yeah, now, like, I, I, I've done that very strongly for a very long time, but now, like, now since, like, coming back and doing Goo Goo, which is, like, totally opposite of the spectrum, like, super simple, super dumb, and, like, handmade, like, I'm, I'm starting to remember just, like, the appeal of that. I think, like, I think I, I need to do things like that every once in a while, just, like, recharge my creative energy, like, put something together with my hands just to, like, remember how, how that feels, but then I really want to keep exploring, like, procedural spaces and making things that are, uh, oh, like, really big and systemic and universal and beautiful, that, if I can, because, man, those games, they're so cool, so, so cool. Uh, like, No Man's Sky, man, have you seen oh, that game? Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, Every, everybody and their grandma has seen that game. It's... Cool. Yeah, I uh, I went to like that was that one talk um, that we have at GDC that's not online for free, but I got to go to it and I were like, man, like so the, the guy who does the art like he gave a talk there. There's some cool shit that they do. Um, the one the one the coolest thing that they talk about, I'll reveal it here at the radio. Uh, <laughs> the coolest <laughs> thing that they talked about for the art of No Man's Sky was um, how they do all the different animals. Um, so they have yes, it's, it's all it's all in three D. Like so, I have like some like procedural creature stuff in like my two D game. But they're doing, like, these three things with, like, rigs and animations, which is, like, ball is hard to do by hand, let alone, like, make some procedural version of it. So what they do is they have, like, a, they have only, like, two rigs, I think, maybe just one that's, like, baseline use for every single animal. And they, they're, 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 they're doing innovation. Like, they have some, some black magic. They can do some shit where, like, they take that base rig and they just, like, change the sizes of the bones. So it's, like, it looks like, you know, it's, like, the skeleton of a dog. And they just, like, you know... If you make the neck really long and the neck's really long, it's like now it's a giraffe. If you make like, you know, the neck really short and like the front legs really long and the back legs really short, you have some fucked up abomination. But hey, it's a new animal, you know? <laughs> and then just, just by changing like the skin and like bedazzling it with like horns and feathers or ears or like, you know, whatever, like, just like some random palette of pieces, like you get some really, really interesting looking different things. And yeah, it's just like it's one base rig with like one and like one or a couple set of animations, like it's just very, like, depending on the weight of the animal, they'll do, like, a heavier walk or, like, a softer walk, but, like, the, the animations are hand-done, and then they just, like, look different because they're put through, like, a different rig with different size bones, and it, yeah, it, it just works out. Wow. And it's awesome. Like, the effects are self-evident. Like, you've seen the trailers, like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it totally works, and it's, it's so awesome. Wow, so, yeah, that is that so cool. Super inspiring to me, yeah. Did, and I, did uh, they... Sorry? Okay, go on. What? Oh, I was gonna ask, uh, did... Did they like show you them modifying it in real time or anything like that? Uh, I forget if they, they showed like him like dragging, dragging it exactly, but he showed us like, they were showing us like, a tool list in the back end. They have this thing where like um yeah they they, they I, I, this is that wasn't just the talk I've seen it elsewhere like interview somewhere. If you look really hard, you can definitely find it. But like it it, it looks you know, they've got this like this um it looks pretty similar to the interface and definitely the game or whatever and like mm-hmm. they have like a little library. And, you know, they just, like, they load in parts, they hit a button that just, like, generates, like, variations on that thing. So, like, they, they put in an animal and hit a button, and it's just, like, 100 of an animal and, like, slightly different shapes and sizes and colors, and, like, it's, yeah. Like, that, that shit's just, yeah, for them, like, <laughs> a button. <laughs> and it's, it's so cool. It's so cool! The, the game is so neat. Um, and I, I, I sucked through that talk, I, like, soaked up everything, and then I, like, uh, sat in the, in the same room, like, after the talk was over, and just like, listen to everybody who, like, came up to him afterward and asked him stuff, because I just want to hear every, like, I want to learn everything, I want to learn everything about that fucking game, and then, like, it got to the point where, like, the last person left, and it was just me and the guy, and he's just, like, uh, do you, like, want something, and I realized I've just been, like, staring at him for, like, 
15 minutes like watching him talk to people and like, <laughs> like oh yeah sorry i was just watching you talk <laughs> sorry um yeah i really but, like this game okay i really like this game yeah i'm your biggest fan basically i yeah yeah basically <laughs> how that works um yeah can't wait for that game to come out. And so, and, well, you know, what's really about the game to me is just how, like, uh, open they are about how, like, little they know about it, really. Like, people are, like, you know, like, interviews are like, oh, this game was awesome, I can't wait. And they're like, yeah, like, you know, we'll see. Like, <laughs> we're just kind of putting shit together. Like, yeah, it might be fluid, it might be good, we don't know, whatever. I mean, people are like, I, I know I'm going to fucking soak it up no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's cool just, like, how, if for them, it's a totally, like, a weird exploration, too, you know? Like, they're just, just putting shit out there and like hitting buttons and generating stuff and like you know hopefully it turns into something shrug <laughs> that's cool mm-hmm. yeah no no man's sky is gonna be fantastic when it comes out we should get those guys on when when the game's released if if you know they aren't like constantly booked right because that's yeah. that's what happens sometimes it's like yeah i can't do any interviews because i have interviews all day every day right. and <laughs> then i'm fixing bugs between them <laughs> yeah, Tom, uh, Tommy Ruffiness is like that. We've been trying oh, to get yeah. him. We've been trying to get him for like three years, <laughs> and he's just, oh, I'm so busy right now. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Indie games. What can you do? <sighs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at your uh, Skype profile picture, and I'm pretty sure this is the first picture I've seen of you in, like, a year. A, without a beard, and B, without a scarf. That's also, like, a five-year-old picture of me. Yes. On the Skype, yeah. Which is why. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah? I, yeah? Without beard when I was biking across the country, and it was just, like, I don't know. I have a total baby face. <laughs> so, it was, like, I don't think it looked very good on me, and I, I did shave it off to get back. I think it was gross. <laughs> Yes, but your scarfs, your scarf addiction, it, I, I'm oh, calling yeah. it an addiction. I see you with scarfs in every picture. Where did this start? Why are you so into uh, scarves? Actually, it's a pretty, well, I, it, it all started uh, about three years ago, um, and I was, I was drunk, and it was St. Patrick's Day, and <laughs> I was walking around the city with some friends, and I found in a tree, there was a pink scarf, just like blowing in the wind. <laughs> and like, it just... I don't know, like, uh, you know, I like, it caught my eye, and I just thought it was such a cool fucking scarf, and, like, threw that scarf away, <laughs> and I don't know, like, I, you know, one thing I think is really cool about humans is that we have this power to just, like, you know, we, we just, we fucking make ourselves up all the time, you know, like, you decide basically who you are, and you just, like, play that character out, and so in that moment, I was out there, and I saw that scarf, and I was like, you know what, like, I want to wear that scarf, like, that's going to be my scarf. And I took it out of the tree, and I put that scarf on, and I just basically never took it off. And that's been, like, my Destiny Magic Tree scarf ever since then. And then, like, oh, man, and then, like, exactly one year after that, on, on like, it wasn't exactly St. Patrick's Day, but, like, some, like, St. Patrick's Day, a drinking holiday, I was out again, <laughs> and I found another pink scarf in a bush. Like, a different part of the city, but, yeah, like, a different shade of pink. But it was, uh, yeah, it's just every year someone throws away a pink scarf, and it just ends up in my hands. Dude. So it wasn't really, it wasn't really something like, I mean, it, so there's, there's this give and take where like, there was some point where like I made a choice obviously to take up like this mantle, but at the same time, like I'm pretty sure the universe was just offering it to me, you know, like 
it was it was there for me to take. It was like, hey, like I think that you are going to be a scarf guy now. Like, here's some scarves, like just out of nature, you know. Like take them and and make them yours. So I did. Yeah, it, it's just yeah. And scarves are cool nowadays. If I'm not wearing one, my neck feels cold. Actually, <laughs> I'm just so used to like having them around. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. Like every time I see you with the scarf, I'm like, why don't I wear scarves? <laughs> uh, so the other day I was I was on Google looking up to see if it's scarfs with an F S or V E S and both are valid spellings and it oh. drives me nuts. Because no, you no. can't do that. English, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm definitely a VES kind of guy personally. But uh I mean, I, maybe I should say that I'm the authority on that. Somebody would be like, or something. Like, that's so cool, actually. I never, like, I, I kind of grew on me. Like, I was never a scarf guy. But I think it was, like, after I did nothing but wear scarves for, like, two years, it finally caught on. Like, oh, yeah, great. Like, he's the scarf guy. <laughs> I am the scarf guy. But I have to, like, I have to do it for a very long time to build up the credibility to be, like, the scarf guy. Not that I am the scarf guy. It's BS. You should make a scarf with CoinCrypt coins all over it. Shit, that would be awesome. And actually. sell them, and <laughs> oh my god, I'd buy one. Oh, I'd sure. buy two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like I mean, CoinCrypt is a game that like has so many merch opportunities that they never like got big enough to make it worthwhile. I think someday, like, I mean, I, I haven't won the ten million dollars for it, so like, I'm gonna do a mobile port probably. But I want like that's a game that like. It's so well reviewed that people who play it totally love it, but it just didn't reach like a super huge audience. I think because I launched it when I was biking across the country. And so, yeah, like, it, no PR. Yeah, I just like didn't get put enough effort into it. So like, I kind of like, come back to it, go to a publisher or something, just anything to like get the game in front of people again. And like I don't know, because I think if it catches on to the right crowd, like that's the kind of game that I think I don't know. I could see people like really uh, like being big. I mm-hmm. you know, like I, I don't know. It sounds like. It's a fun game, like yeah, like observationally, people really like that game. I just have to like get people to see it more, basically. Yeah, like um, I have a friend here in Philly who does like three D printing or like um, laser cutting and stuff, and he was like, "Dude, like you could, we could totally sell like bags <laughs> of the coins from your game, you know, for not that much." And it was like it's like such a cool idea. Like, we were talking about putting something together for the launch of the game, where like you could buy like a deluxe version that like included like I would mail you like. A bunch of handmade coins and stuff, you know? Dude, you you know what? Mm-hmm. You know what you need to do? Have you heard of IndieBox? Uh, no. Okay. Wait, yeah, actually, yeah, you like the, uh, like, physical copies of it. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. it's just all meshed together. They create some of the coolest box sets. And they don't always, like, they, they actually have a box in the Humble Bundle right now, which isn't part of their normal thing. You can only get it through Humble Bundle. So, like... First off, it sounds like a perfect fit. Like, <laughs> you you hit them up, you'd be like, yo, we got this coin crypt here. And right. you're like, I want to make some coins. So make me a box. No. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah, I don't know. It's like the perfect fit. We actually had the, uh, the indie box people, uh, we had their marketer on uh, 10 broadcasts ago. And oh. it was... It was a blast. They're they're really cool. They they're actually in Florida. They were about fifteen minutes away from me. 
Oh wow! So like, I went there and I helped box up the Brutal Legend boxes. And... But yeah, no, you should definitely like reach out to them and be like, hey. I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's the thing. It's like yeah, coin games is like it's a cool game, but it's not a big enough deal. If you get a couple things back, it's a big game. Us, maybe. Well, I don't know. We'll see. That'd be cool. You know what? I'll send him a message. I'll be like, yo, check out this coin crypt. <laughs> Spend money on or you are even like kind of like Pokemon. <laughs> I don't know. Uh-uh, no, none of it. Sorry. Alright, well, alright. So there's games like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, which for me growing up, like what they do is when you get really into it, like if you get really into uh, Pokemon, you, you develop this like new perspective on like you know, it's like you get just crazy into like this idea of being a Pokemon trainer to the point where like, you know, you're thinking about just like the way the game is set up with like all these different Pokemon to lead you to sort of question things like, oh, if I was a trainer in real life, like, which Pokemon would I use? And like, what Pokemon would appear like in my neighborhood? Or like, you know, if I like, you know, like, you know, where would I find Pokemon? Whatever. You know, just, like, it, it, it gives you this like new way of seeing like this kind of like magical layer over like your reality, basically. Mm -hmm. And for, I really want Coin Trip to be the kind of game where like, if kids got really into it, like, they would see like something new and like coin, you know, like. They wouldn't just see anymore like a handful of like queers and pennies and stuff. Like, oh, like I have here like like these magical things, right? Like with the power of imagination, like this is something that actually has like meaning greater than like what what it seems to be, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't that. So yeah, I don't know. There's something there's something mixed in there with just like I think it's like about like giving magic these like simple things and like. I could make like you know like like toys or merch out of it and stuff you know just like something to like something you can hold but just like carries like some of that like magic in it you know I don't know something that really appeals to me like I, I really want to like if I could like do a little more of the game I feel like I could like do something with that <laughs> like touch on that magic. yeah no if, if 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 it caught on like Minecraft or something with kids like I could okay. see kids just like throwing coins at each other all the time. Like little um, little plastic coins. <laughs> probably not Minecraft level, but yeah, you know, like there's, there's something there's so there's like there's an element of play there that can go outside of like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't necessarily mean like blow up like Minecraft sell a billion copies, but like the the whole like every single kid is into Minecraft and like passionately into Minecraft. Mm -hmm. It's so weird. Like my little sister got crazy. Well, I mean, everyone you know. Like, uh, got crazy in the Minecraft with these kids, and it's just, it's so weird to think about how, like, like, I go to, like, the mall, and I see, like, Minecraft shit, you know, like, and it's like, yes! It's like, man, this game started as, like, just some dude in his fucking basement throwing stuff together, like I do, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that, like, you know, he just sold a billion copies to wear his pants now, or whatever, you know? Mm hmm But yeah, like, it's, 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 I guess it's just, like, really cool and, like, heartening or, like, encouraging, so we shouldn't see that, because it's, like, Oh, yeah, that guy came from where I am now, but, like, look at what, look at where he is now, like, what, how big he is, how big that he is. That's yeah. 
yeah, it's like, it's both kind of cool and then kind of weird because it's like, you, you are kind of the same, or you, you were, you are the same that he used to be. And then there's also that element of like any indie dev is only like, uh, only has one or two connections between Notch and them. Like if, yeah, if, yeah. if you know Rami Ismail, you, you're one connection away. And it's like, yeah, so, what? Yeah, yeah, everybody is only like, you know, like some, some, like, breakout moment away. That's cool. Um, so, would you ever bring uh, CoinCrypt to consoles? Uh, yeah, actually, we're signed on to do um, PS Vita. The problem with that is that uh, for it to be a Sony developer, you have to have a static IP address. Mm hmm. So I, I was, like, set to do that over a year ago. Confirmed that my IP address is, like, the least static thing in the fucking universe. It felt like, you know, I was somewhere different every single day for the last six months. And now I, like, don't, I don't, like, live anywhere in particular. I'm just kind of bouncing around. Like, when I, when I, I might move to, I am going to move to Vancouver at the end of April. And so I know for a few months, I think that I, I might turn up as a developer there. Like, do, like, a way from there, basically. Mm-hmm. But it's like I'm only there for a few months, and I'm going somewhere else again. So yeah, I don't know. It's like it's really weird because yeah, it's a weird expectation for Sony. Like especially when working with indies, you're like generally so transitive, you know. Like, but I, I, I mean, I have I'm not going to be living anywhere in the same place for very long for a while. It doesn't seem like you know. So yeah. it's like it's such a challenge to like work within those guidelines. But that's how it is. So yeah, uh, you know, I have that. At least. Lined up, and then if I ever do like a big console, I mean that'll be so cool. But um, most of my games, like I have, like the idea of making console games is so cool. But then in practice, like every time I sit down to make a game, I always make shit that's very like small and simple and cute and like plays with a mouse. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't know that like I'll ever make something that big and just like long kind of console. But maybe someday. I mean, even like that procedural kind of game when I like come back to it, maybe it'll turn into something good. That makes sense for like a console release. Mm-hmm. Coincrypt could work on Wii U. Like you could uh. Oh, I mean. The second all, screen. All my games could work on Wii U, but like I have to get I have to talk to Nintendo somehow. Like, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> <laughs> they they're actually opened up quite a bit. Like uh, I know somebody that just got accepted into their Wii U developer program the other day. Oh. So like it's it's definitely opening up. Uh, he did have to wait. A little while before they got back to him, but it happened. So, like, if if you do really want to look into Wii U development, go for it. Maybe, and then I also have to like find a way to port the game for me because Game Maker doesn't do stuff as far as I know. <gasps> right. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, oops. Yeah, if the game makes like a bunch of money, then I totally think about it. Like, I would fucking love to see some of the games on Nintendo console. I don't even care about like if because I know like there's some stuff below there, but just the idea. What exactly is it about console? I like if if you really think about it, like they're they're basically the same thing as a computer, except their sole interaction is a controller. Is it because they were closed off for so long that like everybody just wants to be on there because it was closed off and not that many people are on it? Like what's what's the psychology behind indies wanting to be on consoles? Because the console is like dedicated to being 
game stuff. I feel like it's a lot more, it's something a lot more legitimate than having a game on there, you know? Like, mm-hmm. if, you're, if the game's on a PC, like, you know, it's kind of like, it's in the same tier of, like, you know, like, music making software you download the internet or whatever, you know? Like, it's, it's just, you know, a piece of computer software. When it's on a console, it's like it becomes, like, really, truly just, like, it's part of this, like, gaming machine, you know? Like, you are, you are part of this, like, legacy or collective, it's like, it's, it's instruction manual on the way home. <laughs> yeah, you know, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, something about that. <laughs> oh, man. None of my friends were ever into instruction manuals, but I used to read that stuff, like, all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love instruction manuals. There's actually, yeah, when I was, like, 10 or whatever, I, 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 I got on the Ocarina of Time train secretly, and the day that I got it, my family took me out, like, we, like, went on vacation to, like, Russia or something. So, like, I couldn't play the fucking game, but all, what I did do was, I brought the instruction book with me. So, <laughs> the entire, like, two weeks I spent in Russia, I was just reading the Ocarina of Time instruction book, like, over and over again, looking at all the drawings and just, like, fantasizing about how cool my adventure was going to be, you know? And I finally got back, and, like, yeah, I got off the plane and fucking sat down with them on the game and started playing, and it was so fucking hyped for it. And, yeah, like, I don't know. I I did the same thing with Kingdom Hearts 2. We were in the process of moving, and my parents were like, we're packing up your PS2 today. <gasps> but Kingdom Hearts comes out next week! So I didn't get to play it for like three months, but the, uh, the instruction booklet was very worn out by the time I finally got to play it. <laughs> it probably was only a month, but it felt like a year to me when I was little. Right. <laughs> <sighs> But yeah, no, that's that's really cool that, like, instruction manuals have that special thing. And, like, y- have you looked at an instruction manual in the last couple of years? Uh, the last ones I've seen have been kind of sad. Yeah, they're so thin and, like, boring. Yeah. I think I opened up one that was, like, six pages. I was like, what? Well, the, like, truthfully, I mean, like, people just don't need them these days. Like, games are, like, so self-explanatory, you know, like... Like, they're supposed to be, right? A good game really shouldn't need an instruction manual. At this point, I feel like you feel a plus about, like, it's not a book that you can't play the game. Like, when you really want it, it's just, like, it's kind of companion. Like, an art book, you know? Like, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, like, you just put some, like, other, like, physical relic that you this game, like, you know? Which, like, it's, like, those, like, mini box guys kind of do, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. I think about, like, um, like Skyward Sword, it's all the game. Like when they came out, they had to like pre-order CD bonus thing. <sighs> yeah, I think it was so fucking bothered. It kind of fulfilled the same purpose, right? It was like this like bonus thing. I still listen to my music to this day, and it's like so cool. But yeah, like it's it's yeah, <laughs> it's weird to me. I very recently um hearing like we, we were hosting this big event, and we ended up seating here for like twenty people, but we had eighty people sign up to come in for this like movie workshop. Like, 
base here. They were scrambling because they just like they didn't have a furniture for these people. So they like what they went out, they bought a bunch of fucking two by fours, and we set up all night building tables for this event. <laughs> um, so yeah, we literally pulled an all night here table jam, and we like built like ten tables of two by fours, which is awesome. But it got me thinking about how like these days, like where those like all the work I do moments and moments like. some sort of hardware for games uh i i know there are quite a few people that create like custom controllers and uh there was there's a game uh that was in train jam where uh you like put your hand over this uh arduino device and like depending on how high your hand is like it registers different or differently and then you have to like get the pitch just right that's coming out of it with your hand in proximity and there's there's like this uh cord wrapped around a water bottle in it so it just looks absolutely weird you're like what is that it looks like garbage but like it works and it's really cool and you would i i i think that there's a lot to be explored there and that's what the alt games things uh alt, alt control games yeah yeah that's what yeah, they're they, trying to do there's a there was this one called like but, but, so, but, so, yes <laughs> so awesome yeah, I know I love that game, and they, like, people don't know it's this game where like you you're playing as like a pug and like a dog park, and you're like um, a big part of something. You're like I even, I actually don't even know like what like the wind position or whatever for the game is like what you're trying to do. I just know like as a pug you can like sniff the other pug's butts, and you know by like rubbing your face like on this like pug flush like in real life like you can mash your face into it and it just like that's like the spell button for the game. It's it's. <laughs> It's like so embarrassing looking and hilarious. I was like, I was there, like I, I was at the game and I was too embarrassed to actually play it. Like I didn't want to rub my face in the fuck butt. I would have smashed my face into that thing and probably broken the controller. <laughs> yeah. And then isn't isn't movement with a uh, like isn't there a soccer ball or something in there? Yeah, yeah, it's like a little like tr- like a track ball thing that you just like, roll around. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, who worked on that again? Um, you know, I forget. I don't know what's the team. I just saw the video. He's like this pixel artist from um, mm-hmm. from South America, and yeah, he did, he did the art for it. That's all I know. Yeah, he's pretty cool though. His art's awesome. Yeah, he did. He did, he did the art for Towerfall, right? No. Or no, 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 no. That's that's um. No, that's Pedro not Pedro. Sorry. Yeah, that's Pedro. Mini boss. Mini boss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They. I mean, I think they're. they're they, they they live together. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, he's actually like maybe was working on this other game called Rivals of Aether, um, which is like really cool looking. It's this guy Dan Farnese who came from Philly, blah, 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 and he like worked at Microsoft for a while. Now he's making this like Smash Brothers like game where you play as these like animal creatures, and it's like making it basically to be like the melee sequel that never was. You know, like 
it's back to like the roots of just like super fast gravity, super fast hits, and like high level smash competitive gameplay. Like he's trying to like make it about that. Mm-hmm. Like, so far, it's like it's so awesome looking, and the video like totally like he's totally killing it on the outside. It looks awesome too. Mm-hmm. I've I've seen a lot of his pixel art, and it's like <gasps> this pixel art. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, if if you could put gifts in a picture frame, I would buy it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, there's um, very on topic, but there's like this really awesome on on fantasy game where there's like some a girl Melissa Melissa something she did this like earthbound painting that's like all on pixels, mm-hmm. and it's it's like it's the shot of like. Ness, like, looking over, like, from his house and looking over the hills, and, like, this, like, crashed on a meteor, and it's, like, done this, like, fully gorgeous, rich, like, pixel art thing, and it's, like, so fucking gorgeous. It's, like, my favorite piece of art I own, like, in the scene in my room, and it's so awesome. I totally love that shit. <laughs> that's, like, that's, like, my favorite piece of pixel art. I don't know if I'm too. I mean, I don't like, a favorite game of all time. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Pixel art. It's good. I'm not right. It's so easy, actually, to do. Like, like when I was seeing all my first games, like, um, like Pixel was, like, the go-to because it's so easy to do, like, to do, like, baseline stuff. But nowadays, like, uh, I've seen people who are, like, doing such cool stuff with it. It's, uh, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, no, Pixel Art is very hit or miss, I think. It totally is. Now, like, uh, the, I've been, ever since, like, uh, Phantasmagorbian, which was like three years ago now for me, like really, like made so of every game I do, I always do. I never do pixel art anymore. I always do something that does anything other than pixels, like, and and it actually like it pushes me to do like really interesting weird stuff. You know, like that's how Planescape kind of ended up looking the way it does, whatever you know. Mm-hmm. Like pixels is easy to default to, but you just spend a little more time thinking about it. Like you can always find something that's like even cooler, you know. So yeah, I like I've been pushing myself to do that, and I get I think a lot more out of like a lot more like work out of like the art of my games. It's um I do this thing with uh my art where like and you know like in high school where um there's like there's like there's two kinds of successful students in high school. There's like there's the students who are really like who they study a lot, you know they get A's in every test, they're like super good at everything, they're doing the homework, you know they get like the perfect scores. Yeah. Then there's like the students who work just as hard, but I'm, like, not doing any work. Like, they put all their effort into, like, skipping everything and bullshitting through everything and, like, like not doing research thing on the last minute, like, pulling stuff together and taking it, and, like, they get by just as well, basically. Mm-hmm. That's basically what I'm doing. With, that's, like, that's where my growth is with my art. Like, instead of actually being good at art, all my time and focus goes into, like, how to make it look like I'm good at art, but I'm actually being good at art. <laughs> so it's all just, like... So speaking of school, did you ever do any game projects for school? This this is actually kind of common. Like people will try integrating games and like programming into 
their classes, even though they don't have any classes to do oh, that. I mean, I actually went to school for, like, game stuff, so... Oh, I, I was more so <laughs> talking, like, high school, but... Oh, in high school, yeah, well, um, actually, I did. Well, I mean, like, for, like, my physics... Actually, yeah, for my physics class, I, at the time, in 11th grade, that's when I made, um, like, the original, like, I made this, like, game Crazy Over Goo, mm, which yeah. is quite... Which is what I kind of remade to make Goo, but that's I was reading the original one back then, and then like for my final project, I just like took out most of the stuff in that game. I just left in just like it's basically a simulation of like velocity, right, and collisions. Mm -hmm. I just like handed that in, you know, and it was like it was like you know 100 percent, like whatever, sure, like this is awesome, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, totally. And actually, um, like my high school was pretty cool because you could uh, we had we had a lot of freedom. And actually, when I was a senior, I took the opportunity to, like, I didn't seem like I built my own class. Like, I got, like, a teacher to just, like, supervise me, and I basically just, like, set up my own curriculum. Or basically, I just, like, worked on, I remember, like, I was doing, like, Assassin Blue or something, or Doubloon or whatever. Like, I was just working on games, basically, for, like, an hour every day. And it counted as, like, a school credit. Like, I got, like, a computer science credit or something for that. Oh, that is so, so cool. Yeah, it was, like, pretty awesome. So, yeah. That was really, like, the big thing I did back then with games. But, I mean, for the most part, like, even when I was doing, when I was in school for games, like, most of the game stuff I do was, like, always just, like, totally, like, on top of everything, you know? Like, I was just, like, I was, like, by day being a student, and then by night, like, being this, like, killer game designer guy, just, like, make up, both like, game up pirates or whatever. That was, like, the double life I would lead. And now I'm, like, out of school, so I just do the cool shit. I'm just a superhero now, and that's awesome. <laughs> the superhero with the scarf. Right, with the scarf. <laughs> it works, man. It's totally part of the look. And now I guess now I'm also like the the indie guy who like bikes and stuff, which I'm into. I'll totally do that. So yeah, I'm just like the biking scarf indie guy. And scarves and bikes are a really good pair because the scarf can like blow in the wind while you're on the bike. And there's there's good. art right there. Yeah. Oh, totally. When I was, like, on the bike trip, like, I would very often try to set up my scarf in such a way that it would, like, blow in the wind as I was riding to try and, like, cultivate that, like, effect, you know? And it totally works, like, 30% of the time. And when it did, man, I bet I looked really cool. <laughs> and, like, nobody in the middle of the desert. Well, that's, that's who you gotta impress. All the cacti right. out there. The cacti, yeah. They don't have scarves. You... You, I, you know what? I think I've seen a cactus in the scarf before. Really? Yeah. Fuck that cactus. That's my thing. I, I don't know if it was, if it was like, a cartoony cactus with a scarf, or a real cactus with a scarf. I, I'm gonna Google that. We're, we're doing this. Cactus with a scarf. <clears throat> Let me know if you find anything. No, I'm only finding cactus scarfs. But oh, well. hey, yeah, no. Well, Nothing. there's an opportunity there for you to like break in. Hey, actually, I've got this like free idea that I'm sharing around because I'm waiting for somebody to point this. Okay, so uh, smell, smell vision. Like everyone knows that it's coming, but no one's done this yet. And I, I'm like totally waiting for the day when like we have like smell artists who like. Cultivate a <laughs> Smell artists. <laughs> man, I'm not, it's going to be, it's going to be a oh, whole man. artistic media, man. It's, it is. A talent story through smells, right? I mean, like, I don't know, it's, it's an untapped sense. So, 
this free idea, smell, smell of mission, and you're going to make like a whole new artistic medium. And, uh, <laughs> blow the world up. And then video games will finally become normal, and then smell vision will be the, the new thing that'll get hated on by everybody. everybody. Yeah. Oh, it's the work of the devil! <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Which, speaking of, like, there's a, 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 I remember, I was, there's this thing I was going to say, like, 30 minutes ago that I forgot, and I remember, and I'm just going to throw it out there. Do it. Just, 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 I don't know, like, there's this thing where, like, counterculture, well, I, mean, I guess this always happens, but, like, the counterculture is always, like, constantly becoming, like, the mainstream. And there's, like, this, I don't know, it's, it's interesting how, like, yeah, gaming, like, it used to be this counterculture thing. And now it's, like, this very mainstream thing and everybody's into it, you know? The same way that, like, alternative music used to be, it was introduced as, like, pop, or, like, sorry, this, like, this, like, punk thing. And now it's, like, really the most generic music genre. I don't know, like, there's, like, always this movement of, like, stuff that is, like, on the fringe becoming the mainstream. And so, yeah, like, when television comes in, it's so they're going to be the punk thing, then that's going to become the mainstream. And, uh, yeah. Hey, you'll, you'll all, like, you'll think I'm weird now. You would think I'm weird now, but then you'll all realize down the road how, like, you're all always moving towards a smell art world. Dude, I want to be a smell artist. Absolutely. Who doesn't? <laughs> I... <laughs> Like, like, would the first thing come out have, like, eight different, like, smell tuners, and then yeah, you just, yeah. you, you, like, combine them in different ways, and in different, like, patterns, like a song, to create different experiences? Like, yeah. oh, spicy, oh, sweet, mmm. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you could actually, right now, I'm not really. I mean, like, what's the, 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 the key? The key factor is it's not because like perfume is the right kind of a smell art, right? Like, but yeah, a, a, a perfume is like, like a perfume is to a photograph as like what I'm envisioning would be to like a film, basically. You know, like you like, string together like smells over time, I guess, and then you're like crafting this like smell-based experience. I think what it would do is like you could do, like, I mean, you could do whatever whatever smell can do, right? But like. Some things that are possible to smell, so you can go to like different places or something, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, out on the beach, and then you're like in the jungle, and then you're like underwater, or I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's something there. Maybe. Greg, if if you're um, if you're smelling the water, you're doing it wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or I mean, I guess like probably smells are probably some really abstract thing. Or maybe like once we like get like the the, the, the mechanics of smell down, you would find there's like like. Maybe there's some smell that's really nostalgic for everybody, you know? Like, everybody remembers, like, the smell of, like, fresh baked cookies on a summer afternoon or something, mm. you know? Like, yeah. you know, like, some, like, I think we start to find this, like, common ground. People such a make, like, smell, we have, we have to have a word for this thing, like, uh, like sense, sense, uh, uh, man, sense experiences. People start to make these, like, sense experiences, which are, like, you know, about certain things, you know, and it's like, oh, you know, everyone always makes games about, like, fresh baked cookies, but no one ever makes games about, like, the garbage heap behind my house, you know, and, like, I guess it's my unique smell experience and, like, communicate that to the world, you know? <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So, I think the reason why maybe nobody's done it is that it sounds like there's so much science behind it. I mean, like, there really is. Like, what, what mechanics of smell like, would be able to create these, these experiences that you would want, like, you would have to have such a good understanding of how smell works, 
And, like, we, there's we a lot of stuff behind it. Yeah, we have a pretty good idea, though. I mean, it's, like, it's basically the same thing that drives taste. We have a pretty good, like, we have pretty good methods for, like, sculpting, like, what people taste. I guess there's some range, right? But, like, I mean, taste is limited because you only want to put in your mouth things that are, like, edible, basically, right? Mm-hmm. So the smell, you can, you can, like, work with like, a much broader range of things. Even, like, offensive smells, because they're not as harmful to you as, like, putting garbage in your mouth, basically, mm-hmm. Because that, that'll so, stay in your mouth for a while. Right. So... And kill you. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, I know nothing about the subject, but I think there's probably enough grounding out there. Maybe there's a little more science. Maybe in, like, ten years, the world will catch up where I am. You know, we'll probably have smell technology the way that I envision it, you know? Because, yeah, the key thing is to be able to, like, create smells from scratch that, like, mimic, you know, like, be able to, like, Think of a smell and then, like, produce that smell, like, you know, through whatever the technology is. Like, mm-hmm. That's going to be a change, right? You see, it'll be a peripheral on the Oculus Rift that just goes over your nose. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe, like, super fucking simple and, like, no one will use it, but then, like, once the technology gets rich enough, yeah, like, there's going to be so much ground to explore there. Just wait. That, that actually wouldn't be a bad idea, like, a peripheral for the Oculus. Because if, if you've got the headset on, why not just add a nose? But yeah, I mean, obviously that's, that's a bit yeah, different of a concept, because uh, that's just adding smells onto an experience rather than creating an experience from smells. Right. Yeah, the same way, you know, that's like that's like putting a cut scene in the game, you know, it's like, yeah, give me some film in my video game, I guess. But like, <laughs> where can I experience just a video game with no film, or just a smell with no video game, you know? Mm-hmm. Give me screen shake with no screen. <laughs> <laughs> what does screen shake smell like? It probably smells awesome. I I think it smells kind of kind of burnt, but like. Oh yeah. But a yeah, good burn, kind of like, like a fire. Like a kick to it. So mm-hmm. It's like that, like touch. Yeah. Wow. We we have reached another this broadcast has reached another level mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this this is a broadcast that will be spoken about at many many parties yes. sure. oh, yeah. this guy greg he wants to create smell vision but, but listen hear me out here hear me out yeah, if somebody did create it, like, I would definitely That's at least that. buy a dev kit and get into right. it. <laughs> smell, smell dev kit. <laughs> it just comes with, like, a rotten egg and uh, a smelly sock and uh, <laughs> vanilla, and you just mix the three and put it inside the box. Wow. <laughs> I feel like that's something that Cards Against Humanity would do. They'd be like, oh, sm- smell a vision set. Here you go. Yeah, actually, I can totally see that. Because didn't they send out, like, legit bullshit? Yeah, for their holiday thing. Um, I was actually in a port. So, yeah, like, they sent out, like, little, like, like slabs of coal and shit like that. <laughs> they clearly just, like, don't care about the money they have anymore, so they just, like, do bullshit all the time. It's kind of awesome. Like, good on them, I guess. And mm. kind of, like, if I was going to be, like, like, wrongly successful and have lots of money, like, I think it's how I would be. Stuff just makes them a lot of slightly like weirder, more fun place. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's that's the coolest way to use a large sum of money. <laughs> yeah, if I had a lot of money, I can't imagine all the dumb stuff that I would do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I'd probably just make games. Right. Sure. It's <laughs> <laughs> true, actually. It sounds pretty cool. Making games is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, so, uh, something that, well, we're, we should be wrapping up pretty soon here, uh, it's been on okay. for an hour and a half, so, yeah, if, if anybody's listening in, and they're like, oh, I wish I could ask Greg a question, uh, either tweet him at, uh, at the Banov, yes, mm-hmm. perfect, perfect, yeah. alright, uh, or jump in our IRC, which is on the radio page, uh, just scroll down, plug in a username, whatever, but, uh, yeah, we're, we are gonna be wrapping this up, but, so, uh, for you, <clears throat> um, so, like, I, I've i always been working on games, and in high school it was always really easy, but now I want to work on games, but I gotta also balance this this crazy thing called money, and it's like, ah, oh, I want to work on games, but I need to go make money. So what what do you do to balance it? Like, what, what, what tips do you have for people out there that really want to make games, but, like, they can't afford it yet? Uh... I, well, it's, yeah. it's, 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 that's, that's a really good hard place for me to speak from because I have been lucky enough to, like, right? Like, when I was in college, I started to make, like, Octoroth for my games, and now I, I am actually living off, like, money to talk to them. Mm-hmm. But I will say, like, um, uh, <laughs> like, for this profit jam, actually, it's, like, such a, it's been a really useful data point because, like, we had a lot of different people who made a lot of different kinds of games and, like, tried selling them in different ways. Mm-hmm. And um, right now, like, the most successful short-term way to make money that, we, that like, within, within the people who were, like, doing the profit jam was, um, it came from me, and what I did was I ended up getting, like, a lump sum of money to do, like, a web sponsorship for a game, basically. Like, I had Yoku and, like, a Jiffy game saw on Twitter, and they picked it up for, like, a sponsorship fee. So, like, have it on their website exclusively as an HTML5 game for, like, a few months. And, like... That was like, it was just like for like a small project, like it was giving me cash and it put me like, no one, like, because selling a game is really fucking hard, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, you know, like whatever, on HEO or whatever, like, it's just, like, no one's made more than like, I don't know, 50 bucks off the games. I did that, you know? But like, doing a flash sponsorship, like, the way you're talking, like, baseline at least a few hundred dollars, if not like a few thousand, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, there's an opportunity there, I guess, like, if you are making, you know, like, for, for like a game that's, like, because all people want when they're playing a game on the web, it's just, like, something that's, like, dead simple to play, like, written easy, feels good, like, gives you some sense of progression, and it's just, like, polished. That's all it is, you know? And mm-hmm. it's really easy to make a game like that really fast. And, like, a lot of people make games like that. Like, I mean, for me, Google was just a game that I wanted to make for fun, and it kind of fit that mold really well. Um, so, like, that's, like, there's an opportunity there, I guess, to do stuff like that. There's actually, there's this guy, um, True Valhalla, who does, like... Yeah! Yeah, his whole thing is that he makes, like, all this money, but you're just selling, like, you know, week-long HTML5 games for, like, web sponsorship, you know? And it'll be, like, like a couple hundred bucks a pop, you know, or something. But because you can turn it out so fast, like, you can make money doing that. Because, like, you basically make this small thing, and then you hand it off to somebody who has, like, all of this, like you know, this muscle power that can, to, like, leverage, like, make, to give the game, like, visibility, right? Mm-hmm. So it's worth it for them to have your game and get, to get some money off of it. So that's, like, like, that's, like, the fastest, 
much long-term way to make money off of these games right now, I guess, probably. Because everything else, like, requires much more effort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, um, if, if you want to, like, develop on a console and, like, get your game in front of a lot of people, you gotta have money to get an LLC, and then to get a dev kit from Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft, whatever. And if you want to release a big PC game, you gotta make sure that you get on Steam, and you gotta make sure that it's really, really good, it's put a lot of time into it, and it's just, like, uh, yeah. for a while, the boundaries felt like they were down, and it might just be because because of my current situation, but they kind of feel like they're going back up for a lot of people. The boundaries, like, to get into games? Not not really to get into games, but to, like, get your game out there and get a lot oh, of people yeah. playing it. Well, and it's also because so... of how saturated the market's yeah, become. Yeah, exactly. There's just so many people competing for, like, the same piece of attention that, like, it's just getting harder and harder. Uh, but there's more and more people playing games, too, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, like, like there's... When you really think about it, like, so, like, the entire, like, genre of indie games, like, it really only appeals, like, such a small slice of the entire game playing population, which is itself, like, such a small, small slice of the entire human population. So there's, like, so many untapped demographics to try and, like, either game to, or to, like, promote through, you know, or to try and, like, to bring in. So, like, indie games, I guess, like, there's a lot of people who are exploring, like, new spaces to try and bring in new but there's always, like, new ground to cover there. Uh, I was also going to say, like, if, you know, if you're somebody who's, like, trying to do games and doing a job at the same time and you find it's challenging, there's actually, like, uh, Greg Woman did a really good, like, blog post once, which rang really true, I think, for a lot of people about, like, that, that work-life balance where, you know, you're doing games and you're doing a job and, like, you think that your long-term goal is to, like, you know, you're, you're doing this job just to make money for now, then you quit so that you can do games full-time. But for a lot of people, it's actually much easier to work on games as a side thing to, like, somebody making a job. Because, like, when you, like, like having a job gives structure to your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, when you're, a lot of people, like, when they quit their job, like, they, even if they have a game project, it just feels so aimless. Like, without that structure, it's so much harder to make progress on things. Yep. And, um, you know, like, once, you know, it's, it just, it takes a lot of work effort and like mindset of just like sitting down and working on stuff every day and like having something else to balance out the game making like even me right now like i am i've been thinking pretty seriously about like picking up like some job like bike delivery or like coffee barista or something <laughs> you know, like, just, and like you know what i think like anything to just like um just like, like give me something different to do that's not games because it's it's so healthy and worthwhile just like have something else that you can do, even if it's mindless, to just, like, put your head in a different space every once in a while to give yourself time to just, like, you know, like, regenerate and think about stuff so that, you know, you can, like, you have periods where you're thinking and brainstorming and then periods you're sitting down and working, you know, like, you need both. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you don't have a job, like, building that structure into your life is actually harder. So, I guess the idea being, like, you know, if you're someone who just wants to make video games, like, you know, there's no reason why it can't coexist with another job. And in fact, like, for a lot of people, it really shouldn't, it shouldn't exist in any other way. You know, like, you, it's, it's healthy to have something else to do besides the games, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah. All right, so I think we're all good. There were no more questions in the IRC. Did you get any tweets? <laughs> Maybe. Uh... <laughs> Uh, some bicycle-centered Twitter favorited a tweet I made, like, two years ago. Nice! That, 
Uh, but other than that, no, nothing. <laughs> Shout out to bike guys. <laughs> the other cycle center. There you go. Yep. Go, yep. go follow them or something. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, if you want to stick around for a minute or two uh, after the uh, show, that would be fantastic. And yep. yeah, thanks for everybody that listened in. Okay. All right. I gotta. I gotta find the credits now. I lost them. Ugh. Skype. All right. Thank you for listening in to broadcast number 59 of Indie Radio. This broadcast is broadcast live on 1,000 mics and was recorded using Dosti. Our next show will be on April 25th, 2015 with Paige Ashland. Thank you again for listening and have a fantastic weekend. <laughs>